From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 480 for October 9th, 2023. This episode is brought to you by Wildgrain, ExpressVPN, and Text Expander. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Mike Hurley. How are you? Good. Happy new start of a week. Happy new month. Although we did already record in October, but it didn't feel like October for me. Genuinely, today yeah. feels like the first day of October. So I'm very happy. Uh, I will just say it again. Thank you so much to everybody that donated to St. Jude. We raised an obscene amount of money. Uh, thank you so much for supporting what we do for another year. Until next time. Uh, I have a Snow Talk question for you, Jason Snell, to start okay. out this week's show. Great. It comes from Ramon, who asks, Jason, do you like orange juice with pulp or no pulp? Um, no pulp. No pulp. I don't have, I don't have a lot to say about this. I don't... Mm. As a kid, I absolutely hated orange juice with pulp as an adult i kind of don't care but if i had to choose i'd probably choose without if given given the option Mm. but i probably don't care that is exactly how i feel where as a kid i would not handle this like i couldn't handle it and i still stand by the the reasoning that younger mike Cool said, which is, if I want a liquid, I want just the liquid. I don't want solids in the liquid, mm. which I still stand by as a reasoning for not wanting pulp yep. or like any kind of pulp in any kind of juice. But now, uh, I actually realized this recently that I just, I was, I don't even remember where I was. I think it was in a hotel. Oh, I was in a hotel in Memphis. This is just like a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I ordered some orange juice and they gave me the orange juice and I drank the orange juice. The orange juice had no pulp in it. I didn't, didn't even think about it until I was halfway through. And I was like, oh, I've grown up now and I can handle the pulp. Uh, but yeah, I, I would also have given the option would choose no pulp. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, as a kid, it really seemed um, disgusting to have little bits floating in your drink, right? Yep. But now I don't care. I'll I'll throw in, since this is a boring answer, I'm going to throw in a little bonus, which is, I haven't done this for a while. Back when I used to have a a refrigerator with an ice dispenser in the door that crushed ice, Mm -hmm. my favorite drink for a long time was orange juice with crushed ice. Okay, so you'll take the ice pulp. I'll take the ice. Well, yeah, it's bigger though, and then you crunch on it. <laughs> so if and it, it's just like wait, oh, if there crunchy were chunks, orange ice, like large chunks of orange in the orange juice, would that be acceptable? No, okay. no, but or- ice has a totally different texture from oranges. I Frozen hope. orange. Frozen pieces no. of orange. Would that no, because then you just you end up eating pulp. If I mm. if I wanted to eat an orange, I'd eat an orange, right? Like I eat, I'll eat my one of my favorite my favorite fruit is Mineola tangelo, so it's a you know tangerine, but it's an orange. Um, and like I'll bite into those, I'll eat those, and you know what is an orange but orange juice and pulp, right? Like they're mixed together. If I want that, I'll eat an orange. If I'm drinking it, I don't want your pulp. How is a I'll Mineola it, tangelo? What is this? What Mineola is this? tangelo? What is it's this? A, Tangerine orange hybrid or tangerine grapefruit hybrid, I think. It's great. It's my favorite uh, fruit. Huh. I've never had it's one like of a, these. It's a little like a, tan- it's a, like a tangerine. It's like a satsuma. It's okay. in the ballpark. It's just a different particular kind. It's available in, generally in February. I love it. Didn't it's the know best. that. I like mandarins, yeah. but 
you know. Yeah, it's all in the deal. ballpark. Those are good too. That's my daughter's favorite fruit is a is a mandarin. See, the thing is, we're like we have oranges. It's kind of funny, right? So with orange juice, it's like the juice of pulp, right? But when you think yeah. about eating an orange, it's like something with juice, you know? Because yeah. oranges are so juicy. It's interesting. Yeah. It's pulp with juice. Mm-hmm. Pulp with juice. It's what it is, but it's mm-hmm. a it's a whole thing. But that's a choice. It's a fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Juice is not a fruit. Juice is juice. I'm glad we cleared that up. I feel like we covered some serious ground here. Serious ground. Everybody's walking away with something. If you would like to send us in a question to help us open an episode of the show, just go to UpgradeFeedback.com and send in your Snow Talk question. Uh, I would like to remind everybody that we have a peculiar merch sale going on right now over Mm. UpgradeYourWardrobe.com, which includes upgrade hoodies and a selection of summer t-shirts you can get in time for the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you want to yep. celebrate the summer of fun this Christmas, go to UpgradeYourWardrobe.com. Hey, Southern Hemisphere, it's your time now. <laughs> yes. You know what, actually? <laughs> You're always complaining, all right, that it's the wrong time of year. Well, now <laughs> it is. We did it for you. This is the Southern Hemisphere sale. So go buy yeah. your merch, UpgradeYourWardrobe.com. Uh, should we do some follow-up? Yeah, we should. We got a lot of it. We should definitely do it. B wrote in and asked, Jason, is the color of your wacky inflatable children delighting air dancer tube man actually international orange? Well, I haven't gotten a, a colorimeter out to measure its exact shade. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a to-do item for when I bring out the tube man uh, this year. But um, I can tell you, I can report here for the upgrade program yes. exclusively that According to the packaging, the color of my orange tube man is orange. Okay. That's all I got. Well, you see, we've learned that, that like, what is orange? You know, we, we actually started out this episode, like, <laughs> yes, what is an orange? I don't orange? want to talk about it, whether, whether you like pulp in your orange tube man or not, by the way. The answer is no. I feel like that that orange juice question may have been a tie-in to international orange that I, I did Could have been realize until right now until just now well that's how yeah it's a real twist that ramon did there i put a link in the show notes to a very good uh instagram reel short clip video thing that we did from the show i I believe chip edited this we have editor chip who helps us out with video now Uh, and it includes lots and lots of photos of jason and the tube man it's it's almost like like some kind of scene from a rom-com or whatever where like mm-hmm. Jason and the Tube Man are like frolicking around the world, and you should go watch this. It's so good. Uh, it's so yeah. So Chip good. basically texted me on on Monday or Tuesday, and he said, "I need pictures of the Tube Man. Send me all the <laughs> Tube like, Man. <laughs> all right, all right. It's all really right. good. Yeah, so it's really our, good. our upgrade video team is uh, yes, editor Chip and uh, social media Maven Jamie, and they're mm-hmm. working together. It's a whole uh, crew now. It's a good crew. Yeah, we're building upgrade uh, upgrade brand. Which, by the way. Uh, <laughs> In case you missed it, we did publish last week's episode to YouTube in full, which is a thing that we're experimenting with now. So if for some reason you would prefer a video version of this show, it is now on YouTube. We're at Upgrade Relay on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show notes. We've done it a few times now, and we're going to do it a few times more at least. So Yeah, we're going to try it. No guarantees, no promises. If it falls apart one week, you know. We're, we're, I guess we could say we're in beta with it. We're not committing to it. Yep. We're experimenting we're with it. But it is there. If you, We've heard from people. I mean, it's not just finding new people where it gets surfaced via the algorithm where people make clips or things like that. It's also that you know some of our listeners are like, oh, yeah, I would listen to that. That, that sounds fun. So mm-hmm. 
um, and you get to see us. So, yay. Again, like as I said before, I was, we were talking about this a little bit in Upgrade Plus last week. I am one of these people. Like The majority yeah. of podcasts that I consume these days, I feel like, is by, uh, well, I was like, yeah, actually, it's by Kind of Funny. They're mostly video games and pop culture. I do not have mm-hmm. them in my podcast app. I just subscribe to the YouTube channel. So YouTube, and, yeah, well, so, and we want to reach, the goal here, and we've said this on Upgrade Plus a lot, but we'll say it here too. The goal here is uh, make existing Upgrade listeners happier mm-hmm. and find new people who might love Upgrade if only they knew that it existed and could have it work in a way that they yep. want to to listen to this, listen slash watch this. Yep. What we're not doing is changing the show. Exactly. So as, as a reminder, we do not see each other. We we cannot see each other. We This is not a video call. We just have no. cameras on us recording us. That's been the way that the way since we started doing the yeah. clips and it'll be that way going forward. And the cameras are off to the side. So we're not looking at them unless, you know, I mean, occasionally I'll do like a little wave at the camera when we're literally talking about recording ourselves, but that's about it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not, and you can't see it. You don't know. The uh-huh. only thing that's changed about the show, Mike, is now I reliably take a shower on Monday morning before the show. That's it. That's good news. That's good news. For I mean, hygiene's important. Start yep. the week off right. So last week we spoke, enduring our macOS review, about the high-performance screen-sharing mode, which you really liked from Mac to Mac. And yes. I wondered if this might be the technology that Apple uses for the Vision Pro because... Yeah, there's that moment where I said, you you do it to a laptop and the laptop screen goes off and you're yes. like, oh, that's like the Vision Pro. And that maybe mm-hmm. that they're building it in there because it's kind of what you would need. Well, we had an, an anonymous informant get in contact who Love said... It. You're mostly correct about how screen sharing changes in Sonoma are for the Vision Pro. When you use a Vision Pro near a Mac that's signed into the same iCloud account, a little popover button appears above the computer that when picked initiates screen sharing. The laptop screen goes dark and the virtual screen appears in front of you, which of course you can then move around, resize, for etc. It's glorious. So right. we nailed that one, it seems. Not a, I mean, I, I assume this is somebody who knows and it isn't. I mean, I, I feel like this comment goes more or less with what's been announced and shown. I don't remember seeing this little popover button. You know a what I mean? Like it, there's, there's, there's some detail here, yeah. which who knows, right? It's an anonymous thing, but it makes sense. But yeah, it does feel like this, right? Like I was thinking of it, when you had that moment of realization, I, I, I was backtracking it and thinking, well, Sonoma is going to be the version that's out there when the Vision Pro ships. Mm-hmm. So whatever... This screen sharing mode is, it's probably built for Vision Pro as well as for the Mac, right? Because yeah. this is the version that's going to be out there. And they'll probably say, would, I mean, they could use older versions of screen sharing, but it wouldn't surprise me if Vision Pro is like, must be a Mac running Sonoma to run this feature. Would not surprise me. Yeah, we're actually going to get into a little bit of that later on. There's some interesting stuff around like Macs and Vision Pro. But yes, I would expect if you want to connect a Vision Pro to a Mac, you will be running Sonoma to do it. Uh, I put this in because we spend a lot of time talking about it on the show, but I also feel this like sense of obligation now just to make sure you know that Apple's Q4 earnings call is coming on October, on November 2nd. This Thank you. Yes, coming. I just added it to my calendar. Great. Thanks to you. Oh, good. Be, I am actually you, happy that that was helpful. <laughs> well, you've done you've done this early enough now that you've beaten my note that I do right. to myself that says check on Apple earnings. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because so there was that one time, that. In maybe like a year ago, and you forgot that it was happening until the day before, and so now. Yeah. I worry about that for you, and so uh, here it is. Uh, this will Thank be you. covering the July, August, and September months, I believe. Um, mm. So it's not the big quarter of the year, which is the no. holiday quarter, which is tech, what Apple calls their Q1 because that's their financial year, but this is the one that will give us the early indication on the success right. of the new iPhones. Mike, you mentioned earlier that we're in October, mm-hmm. new month. It is. We are now in the holiday quarter we're in the holiday quarter whether you like we, it or not we are in that we are in it now and let me tell you jason i don't like it you know maybe you, i, I oh. love the holidays but i am t- i get scared about how busy the holiday quarter is for me these days and uh but mike it's much less it, it's isn't it less busy now that september is over september is not part of the holiday quarter that's true i mean it's but i have like a few days it tends to be but this is it's a different kind of busy it's a different mm. kind of busy it's actually you know what yeah. it's not busy it's just high stakes that's, that's uh, the yes. way to put it. You're doing Cortex brand stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So it's just like, on. I don't have to like, you know, put in a bunch of extra hours, but I just have it there in my brain, you know? It's just like, yep. oh. I get it. I get it. I'm starting to do all the, you know, we're doing all the logistics for our holiday travel and all that. And I'm mm-hmm. starting to realize, oh, when are we going to record this? And when are we going to do that? And it's, uh, yeah. That's how it goes. We had, we had a very fun. We won't share it, yet, but we had a very fun uh, conversation about the upgradies, didn't we? We have like we have some fun stuff for later on in the year for the upgrades. But the upgradies and uh, potential uh, Christmas special too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you published your iPhone 15 Pro review over the past week. Yeah, um, I had fun reading through it. It was very good. There was a couple of things that I liked specifically that we hadn't really spoken about. Um, previously one was you you had a very good experience with the ultra wideband feature uh to find lauren when you were a, a sporting event which i thought was kind yeah of cool. we were at a cal football game a couple weekends ago and um we separated um one of us had to go to the bathroom the other one was like looking for food and then she texted me and said where are you and she i think she had walked past me and not seen me and she said that she was further down and I didn't know which way it was. And I had that moment where I realized, oh, we both have iPhone 15s. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's try this feature. And I tried it and it worked great. It, um, she gets notified. Jason is looking for you, which is hilarious. That's and, cool. Uh, but that but good. That. And then and I think and then you can just basically open Find My. And I had Find My open and I was sort of like headed in one direction thinking she's probably down there. And then it said, you know, suddenly it was like 10 feet ahead. <laughs> or 15 feet ahead or whatever. And then and it was like, yeah, that's cool. It was fun to do that. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a fun feature. You just have to have a knife, two iPhone 15s to, to enable that. But the, eventually everybody will have absolute, you know, precise positioning of, you know, of their friends if they want, because eventually this, this tech will be everywhere. You also uh, shared some images that were like, I don't know, like 20 times zoom or whatever, right? When you go to like the yeah. five and then just keep going. Keep and going. Yeah. There's some artifacting in them from the processing or whatever, but it's kind of weird because it makes them look like AI generated <laughs> images. Like there's like a piece of a saxophone going into someone's face. It's very strange. I think I think that may be what's going on. I think Apple may be doing some machine learning extrapolation at the super low down um, level. Hmm. And I say that because like, and, and there were some that I didn't put in because there's some of like people in the stands 
that they look like horror movie monsters, right? Their faces are all weird. But I, <laughs> I did zoom in to, to full pixels for a few of these things where like the the name on the back of the jersey, I know what that name is and I can sort of see what it's trying to do there, but it, it's generated multiple things and maybe that's p- part of its image fusion as well That with the because I'm, I'm holding it and it's 20X. But whatever it's doing, it's generated something that, that at a distance looks fine, but you look in close and like the letter forms are weird and wrong the the cal logo that is uh is a straight line is wavy there there's like junk on the bottom of the of the letter c that's weird and then the the band person has uh i mean they're they're playing the saxophone but like it looks like the grass field is going into their face too Mm -hmm. and i think this is all just i mean what i'm not creating a gate here what i'm saying is that if you're Apple does a pretty good job of those extreme close-ups looking good. Yeah. But what you need to not do is zoom in on the extreme. So don't zoom in on the zoom because you will. It, it becomes kind of obvious. They're they're doing some cleanup, but it's just not. It, it's not meant to be looked at that close. And yep. I I do wonder if that part of their process actually is some machine learning based kind of like guesses about what is there in order for it to look not just like purely pixelated. And it has these effects. So, if anything, I assume that it's like trying to, you know, maybe draw in every other pixel or something like that. Like we're looking at these two things together and we're trying to make an approximation of them because things are moving or whatever. You know, there's, there's some strange yeah. stuff is clearly going on. Absolutely, that's what's going on. And and again, it's fine. Um, but I, it was a thing I noticed that very clearly they're they're doing some yeah they're doing some some work. Mm-hmm. there that um isn't your average everyday uh you know pixely right like yep. it's not it's not like that this is it's showing if nothing else it's showing the image pipeline going on here yep having now kind of looked at the iphone in full on review mode if you had any different takeaways or any kind of things that you were thinking before like fully reinforced about this lineup of phones not really. Um, okay. I like them. Yeah, they are new iPhones. Yeah. Uh, I cu- I closed the article with a version of my. Um, here's what you should. You know, here's what you should should do if you're updating from last year or the year before or the year before that. You yeah. know, right, right, because that's the truth. As most people are not, we get lost in the increment from year to year, but so many people don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, um. You know, it, it, it incremental progress is the name of the game. That's just what it is. They focus on the camera. I really like the action button. Um, you know, the UWB stuff is very continues to be interesting, but kind of underused. I do think there's going to be a moment where it kind of boils over and is everywhere. I think I, I I can foresee a time, you know, five years from now, where our cars and doors and and smart home stuff all know exactly where we are at all mm. times and you can do some very smart automation once the system knows where you are right that your your door lock knows you're walking up to it and so it unlocks if you're on the other side it it doesn't go oh you're close to the door I'll unlock because it ah, knows you're on the yeah. inside mm-hmm. like it, it can do stuff like that that bluetooth cannot do because bluetooth doesn't have positioning so um, then car car locks the same way. They they use Bluetooth now, but with ultra wideband instead of Bluetooth or NFC. NFC you got to be right up against it. Bluetooth it's making a guess, but it can also be hijacked. Ultra wideband can't be hijacked because it's got a timer in it. So if they try to somebody tries to like 
rebroadcast your Bluetooth from the restaurant out to the car, mm. um, the time codes won't match with ultra wideband, but with Bluetooth, they don't do that. And so it works because it's all based on amplifying the signal to make it seem like you're close to the car, right? Like there's lots of reasons that that'll be cool, um, but it's underused right now. But I thought it was worth a, a piece. Really having, you know, not gotten the review, the phone under embargo, and then also being in Memphis for the podcast-a-thon and all of that, I really struggled because, you know, sort of like everything, it feels like everything's been said about the iPhone. So I ended up yeah. kind of taking the approach of, uh, after a couple weeks with it, do I have some observations or thoughts about these products or also what Apple's doing in general? Um, I did uh, listener to upgrade will not be surprised. I, I can't, I, 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 I said titanium. Yes. Colors bad. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I, you know, natural is really nice, but it be make no mistake. It, it's just gray i mean it's a nice gray it's a really nice gray but i i did a mini rant about the fact that wouldn't it be nice if they gave us choices and that some of those choices were colorful and not dull because as a spread of colors i don't think anyone cannot can can deny that the iphone 15 pro is just boring but yeah it's it was it was good to get it off my back too Mm -hmm. because it's one of those things that i I know i have to do it and i struggle with thinking about what am i going to say what am i going to do so you know I did my best. I will just say on the iPhone 15 uh, Pro Max again, like this is my favorite build of any iPhone. Like I just, I find it such a joy to hold. I just think it feels so great. Like it's that combination we spoke about already, the lightness and the rounded edges. Like I just really, really, really like it. And I do, I know a lot of people uh, don't, but I, I do like the design, like the overall design of the flat edge stuff. Like I just think it looks really good. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, I did drop my iPhone. <laughs> this is kind of, I never Ooh. did. This is kind of incredible. Where I had a conversation with Adina about because I was selling, I was giving selling my other phone to my brother, and was remarking about how it was in good condition. My iPhone 14 Pro Max. I was like, look at that. You know, this is great. I don't put a case on my phone. Uh, and I was like, and it's not an issue because I just don't drop my phone. That night, I dropped my phone uh, in the bathroom, and it didn't break at all. But I kind of bent the the frame a little bit um f- from the back which is kind of interesting so there's a very there's just a kind of kind of a, mm. a sharp point i will say at the top mm. corner of my phone near the camera but that's just the 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 whole uh experience of it all now did I it activate have... okay oh the what like what do you when mean you came like, home oh were you no able to get it activated yeah, I did, and everything i did all it right. as soon as i landed it was very simple beauty on the plane yeah yeah, the the issue was just what I thought it was, which was like I couldn't activate it before I got home because um, it couldn't contact my network. You know, you're right. Yeah, because so, it needs to phone home to yeah. actual home. Yeah, to do the activation. It's very simple. Very very simple. Yeah. Nice. This episode is brought to you by Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. Jason, I believe you have received a box of Wild Grain goodness. Box of bread and pasta. Yes, I have. What? I have. What more could you want in your life? You know what I mean. You Just know, like, here's a box of I, good bread and pasta. I did not know that I that I I needed this. I was like, this is like I, I'm packing the box and it's like there's pasta, frozen pasta here, and frozen loaves of bread. Um, and then you know what do you do? You pop the bread in the oven and you got basically 
hot, fresh baked bread. Uh, that's real good. Like really good. And, uh, the pasta, you're like, well, why don't you just get dry pasta? Well, this is frozen, but it's a uh, frozen, like fresh pasta. So it's uh, like all soft and very yep. high quality. Fresh and, frozen and pasta is excellent. Like that, it's, that's it's, the it's way to good. live your life. It's real good. So it's like, you know, av- having made pasta in the past, like it's very different to have the the fresh pasta than the the, the dry stuff. Would you say you made pasta in the pasta? <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> sure. I wouldn't because I speak with an American accent. Ah, so I'd say pasta in, in the, the pasta. pasta. No, not pasta in the pasta. Pa- pasta in the pasta. Well, you see, in I'm trying my best anyway because I would say Mary. Like what? Mary. Before, before Mary. I was speaking to so many Americans, I would say pasta, right? But now yes, I say pasta. 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 It's a little closer. pasta. Pasta in the beaters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it was really good. Um, Lauren actually did the bread, and uh, they like keep it until it's until it's dark brown. And it was like the outside was super crispy, and the bread was really nice. So it's it's interesting. They don't send you dough. They send you like a loaf of sourdough mm-hmm. and and a bunch of loaves actually. And um, so you're thinking, well, wait a second. You're just heating up frozen bread. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know. Are they under baking? I don't know, people. All I know is that I popped it in the oven. Or Lauren, in that one, Lauren popped it in the oven. We waited for it to be brown and we brought it out. And it was so, like, seriously, instead of having extra helpings of uh, of the pasta, I had extra helpings of the bread. And we saved the pasta for leftovers because the, the, the bread was, and the pasta was great too, but the bread was so good. And, you know, nothing beats that fresh out of the oven bread honestly mm-hmm. like in that moment it's is the best so yeah it's really now. tasty yeah yeah i got a little more right because i got i got a whole box so i got some more bread to 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 bake up and well, some more pasta to hearing make. about it and so good in future yep. episodes you can fully customize your wild grain box this is something new you can get any combination of bread pasta and pastries that you like if you want a box of all bread all pasta all pastries live your best life you know just do it Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash upgrade to start your subscription. Yes, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box. It's very simple. Just go to wildgrain.com slash upgrade. That is wildgrain.com slash upgrade. Or you can use the promo code UPGRADE at checkout. Our thanks to Wild Grain for their support of this show and Relay FM. Uh, you have some follow-out about Connected. Yeah. Would you like to share? One of my favorite uh, technology podcasts is the okay. Connected program here on Relay FM. Uh, yeah, well, you guys talked about this is follow-out, and it's also just sort of t- a mini topic, but um, Google Pixel event. Google announced uh, all sorts of new stuff for the Google Pixel. One of the things they did was they say they're guaranteeing seven years of software updates, which is interesting. And I've seen a lot of people play it as being like, take that, Apple. But it's really weird because it's really take that past Google, (laughs) right? Um, I was thinking about it. I have bought multiple Google phones over the last 10 years because I want to have something that runs the latest version of Android. And it's shocking how quickly you have to buy another one because even Google doesn't support its own operating system on its phones after a couple of years. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So I love this. 
Um, I, I have some skepticism, right? Like, what does this really mean? And I think the answer is it probably essentially means security updates for seven years. They said feature updates too. Yeah, I guess what they all said. Fe- all no. feature updates? Mm, no, they I'm said skeptical. feature drops. So like, feature drops. Which is what they sure. call them. So it won't, it won't get everything, but it's still going to get stuff. Get like stuff. it's going to sure. get the new versions of Android, but they might not have everything is what they're saying. Right. I, I That's my assumption is is... It will reduce over time, but it will be that you'll get some stuff. Um, and great. Like, great. Because I actually had a moment while I was listening to Connector where I thought, oh, I could buy the new Pixel and know that I could actually stay up to date on Android. That's a game. For a while. Which is good. I mean, but but I'm and I'm not an Android user, but so my use case is very weird. But like... I like that idea. I think you guys made the point quite rightly that Pixel buyers are probably not the kind of person who buys a phone and holds on to it for seven years. But I do wonder if some of what what uh, Google is doing here is sh- just shaming the Android phone business, right? Yeah, I, think I think so. I feel like that's part of what's going on here is just Google saying we should do better and we're going to put a flag in the ground. I think that this is more, as you say, that they are trying to make this a stronger thing throughout all of the uh, their partners, right? That I don't really think that they're going to sway a bunch of iPhone owners now to the Pixel because it's going to get no. them uh, eight years of feature updates because Apple gets basically close to that, if not hitting that, you know, with certain models yeah. and will continue to. I think ultimately this will hindsight will say this was a mistake from Google. Uh, I I think that this is just going to be one of those things where they'll they'll regret it later. This was yeah, they'll regret it. Or this, they'll be well, I got to be honest, the first time I heard about this, I thought it's going to be really interesting in 5 years where Google announces that the this Pixel will not be supported going mm-hmm. forward and that everybody who bought it can get a coupon toward a new Pixel. Yeah. Which or something which ridiculous like it that. It would not surprise me if something like that happened. I just think that y- you don't need to promise this up front. You can just do it. And I don't think it makes that much of a difference. This seems like an extreme pro- promise so much. It, seven years, I, I feel like if they had done five, I might have been like, oh, okay, seven feels extra enough that I look at it and think, one, yeah, they're going to regret it. Two, they're probably going to try to weasel out of it. And and three, who's it, who's it even for? Mm. Um, I, I do wonder, like, weaseling out of it, it, it's that same thing, right? Which is, you could you could do this, what's the minimum amount? On year six, what's the minimum amount we can do and and still be considered kind of, like, up to the letter of the, of, of the promise yeah. here? Because there are just, like, there are things that, that, you know, maybe people will hate me for saying this. I don't know, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, the idea that, like, this is better for the environment People aren't keeping their phones for seven years. People that buy Pixels are not keeping that phone for seven years. The only way it's better than the better for the environment is if there is a good resale market for Pixels, right? Because that's Which what happens a with a seven-year-old phone right? will not have a good resale. Like, yeah, it's not I know, gonna. I know. But but after two years, after two years, you could sell it back, and somebody else can sell it to a market that that is not going to pay full price for it. And this Apple does this with iPhones too. Um, there's a lot of reused, refurbed, resold iPhones that hold. You know, they they have some value because they're they're able to be kept current. And the Pixel will be like that. I agree. I think that it's just too easily overstated. But at least, let's just say, I think an Android phone that can't run the latest Android is uh, worthless almost 
but a pixel five years from now while not great will if it's running the latest version of android and it's secure and all those things be have some value Mm. so i'll i'll give it i'll give it you know fractional credit for that i i want to say though Apple has been so good at this for so long, but I do wonder if Apple's standards are slipping a little bit here. And the example I want to give is, I don't understand why the iPhone 10 is obsolete. I don't understand it. iPhone 10 should should run iOS 17, and it doesn't. The 10s does, but the 10 doesn't. And that that's the first time in a long time where I've looked at a, a a phone that does not is not allowed on the current OS and thought that doesn't seem right. That that phone is not that old, and it was so much more advanced <laughs> than what had come before it. And so for them to drop the the portcullis right there, it seems weird to me. It seems a little weird. But generally, Apple is very very good at this, hmm. and doesn't and I don't think Apple's going to be pressed into making promises cuz Apple doesn't like to talk about the future but I think Apple's track record is pretty strong. And they have that of course they have the OS update thing and when you fall off the OS update train you're still on the security update train for a while. Um so I think that's good. I do wonder if in the long run I had this theory that that Mac, that Apple Silicon Macs may stay on the OS update train for a very long time. Um I wonder how Apple feels about this, but like in the long run, wouldn't it be better to keep everybody using their, their um, Apple hardware secure and just move to a model where everybody's on the current OS, but they don't get these features instead of having to leave them behind. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do there. I'm looking into this iPhone 10 now. I'm intrigued because the 10 R is still. Well, 10 R was the next year. It's that year, the, the yeah. 10 year, the eight and 10 year is obsolete now or, you know, not supported. Like the, so the, 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 a, the, it's the A11 in the 10 and it was the A12 in the 10R. I guess that's the cutoff point, yeah, maybe. I guess that's the cutoff. I just, it's, if that one feels a little wrong to me. Yeah. It does, like it's like seven years old. That doesn't feel like a very long time ago. But, yeah, seven years, right? That's the, that's yeah. the Google guarantee. Yeah. But the 10, I don't know, the 10, it seems weird to me because it felt so, such a, 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 a leap forward. Mm. And yet it still just gets cut off. I don't know. But it was, it, it, the fact is it was a long time ago. And, that, and that, I guess that shows how well Apple has handled this overall, is that yeah. cutting off a seven-year-old phone feels premature because that's a long time, right? But but I, I guess what strikes me about it is the iPhone 10 is the first of its kind of the phones that we still use today, right? The, if you think about the body class yes. of the iPhone and the fact that like there was the early iPhone era, there was the four and the, the four and five era of design, then there was the six to eight era, and now we're in the ten era, where the phones look more or less the same. It's very funny looking at the iOS seventeen compatibility list and then seeing the iPhone SE in there, and it's like. There's got to be designers at Apple that are like, please, please, please do something please. with this. Yeah. Because the, like, just from years. a six design, like a user interface design perspective, like that thing is just still out there doing its thing, you know? And, it's, yeah. and it is now the only one that doesn't, and as you say, the 10 still could have too. But like just looking at that list, it's the only one that, that doesn't have that, that new silhouette to it, the edge to yeah. edge silhouette. Yeah. 
So I do, I do. So six years for the iPhone 10, but yep. uh, I don't know. I mean, that that's the one that struck me. And I do think generally Apple has done a good job and nothing, nothing has changed my opinion about this or formed my opinion about this more than using, buying a couple of Google. I don't think I've ever bought a Google Pixel. I think I bought the, the Nexus models, the late yeah. Nexus models, yeah. but like, you buy one and you're like, all right, I set it up now. And, and every time we would write about something regarding Android and I'd be like, oh, Apple Music's on Android. Let's check that out and all that. And then all of a sudden you turn around and it's like, it feels like like two years later and they're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this new Android doesn't run on that. I'm like, that is outrageous. That is just outrageous. And I know Google has done a bunch of stuff to roll things into like play services where they can update a bunch of things without updating the OS. Yeah. I don't know. Like, so, so I'm glad that they made this, even though I think they, will regret it and they overdid it. Um, I feel like Apple, I am very rarely outraged at Apple's rolling uh, incompatibility list. Although I definitely know people and a shout out to editor Chip here who use older Macs with uh, with newer OSs and just do the thing where you install the software that lets you install it and it runs fine. And it makes me think that Apple, sometimes Apple just doesn't want to go back and qualify their operating systems on older hardware. It's not necessarily that they wouldn't even work. It's that they just don't want to bother. Mm. Uh, but but they do li- generally let them live a very long time and that's good. And also I'll point out, because uh, this comes up sometimes, your computer doesn't stop working when it stops doing updates from Apple, right? It still works. Sure, and sure. as long as there's security updates, they're also, it still works and it's still secure. Um, and so you can still use them, your older computers and phones and stuff, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys talked about the Google AI photo editing thing too. We did. You had a version of that same conversation that a bunch of people had. I know Neil A. Patel over at The Verge talked about this a lot. It's like, what even is a photograph anymore? A super good episode of The Verge cast, which is mm-hmm. about that too. This, this what week. even is a photo anymore? Mm-hmm. I think, okay, so first off, Google's a very engineering-driven company. Like there's two drives, at least in my history of dealing with Google, um, internally. There's two drives at Google. There are the people who are the engineers and they are driven to do cool stuff and push the cutting edge. And then there's the suits whose job is to uh, get you involved in onerous contracts and charge you uh, lots and lots of money and maximize revenue. It's a fascinating company because it's sort of like, I, I, having been through that process once, you're dealing with all the technical people and they're just like, oh man, let's just do this. It's going to be awesome. And you you work with them on a project and then everybody's really happy. And then all of a sudden the business people start to talk and everybody is very sad <laughs> because the business people are playing hardball because it's Google and they want their money. Fascinating uh, dichotomy. So I look at this and I think, Google is just put flooring it on what if we just did every AI feature possible in editing your photos? Mm-hmm. Uh, like you take some photos and, you know, if this person isn't smiling on this photo, but you did a burst or you did a bunch, we'll just take their head from another shot and put it here. Now, I'll tell you, I, I have done that in Photoshop when I get three family photos that I took and none of them are quite right. I have done that. And it took a lot of work in Photoshop. There is, in fact, a poster in a frame in my living room of our kids on the uh, one of the lions at Trafalgar Square that is absolutely composited from three different shots. Yeah. <laughs> so it happens. But uh, part of the point in Connected was, um, but you're making it real easy. Too easy, um, in my opinion. And there's this question of like, what is real and and that at least at least expressions make sense and you know how the, how cameras have like done the thing where they won't quite snap the photo until everybody's eyes are open and all yeah. that and that's all good there's a bunch of good stuff there but 
I do think when it starts to be like, oh, you can you can kick a kid on a trampoline and erase the trampoline, and and you're just like, well, the, but that's not what the. My point here is that contrast that with Apple. Apple seems to have a real ethos about honoring photography as a way to collect um, r- information about reality and de- and depict it. And although it, there is a real strong argument to be made about how photography fundamentally is not in context because it is a moment in time. Absolutely true. I do think Apple has a photo- a professional photographer's in in many ways approach to why photography is the way it is and it's to depict reality. And that those pictures of your family uh where you erase the trampoline <laughs> or whatever are like is that that's not what happened right and so i think it's an interesting contrast i think google knows it and so google's like put the pedal to the metal here let's just ai all the things because they know apple it's not like apple can't do it it's like apple doesn't want to do it i'd say to a fault because there are places where i think apple's software and uh photo stuff should be better it i just i recently set a bunch of um slides from they're actually my mother-in-law slides from the late 60s and early 70s uh, and have them all scanned in and they they're beautiful and we we recovered a thousand photos that were basically in a box that nobody had really seen in decades but they're all a little dusty and although the the photo scanning service did a pretty good job of cleaning them up there's still little specks here and there and i realized that to fix that like apple photos can't fix that on the Mac, it can sort of, but not very well. On iPad and iPhone, it can't. You really need another app. And you could use a machine learning-based thing that tries to detect the the dust and stuff and, and remove it. A lot of the traditional dust and scratch removing is literally just a blur. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I want. I don't want a blur. Or you do the little thing where you take a, 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 a fix tool and you like click on the on the blemish or the, in this case, the, the dust, and it fixes it. And those are now machine learning, like Photomator from um, Pixelmator does this. And you can use it for all sorts of things, right? You can use it to fix weird blemishes on photos or dust or whatever else. Um, And the one on the Mac in photos isn't very good. And on iOS, they just don't have it. And I don't understand it. I don't. So I feel like Apple is maybe a little bit too far down its its own rabbit hole. on this one and that they need to they need to do a better job of thinking about how people are using this stuff but i think google it strikes me as google may be going a little too far in the other direction but i'm fascinated by the contrast between the two companies and how they approach photos it's really interesting yeah i'm, I'm worried that google stuff is too far but i feel like also this the train has left the station yeah i think it's google basically saying look it's inevitable so we're going to make it easy and like i don't know i mean as a platform owner, yeah, you're making really like it's. <laughs> are they going to do a deep fakes next? Right, like Why not? maybe there's a place where you should draw the line and say, yeah. you know, you can do all sorts of stuff, but we don't want to enable people to do this thing easily because then everybody will do it and we're, we're and we're not happy with it. And I think that there's, I don't know, I, I I don't know if Google has necessarily crossed that line, but I'm glad people are asking the question. I also don't know if people want these features. Um, that said, I wrote a thing about after the iPhone event where it struck me that we may soon enter an era where instead of taking photos at all, you literally like hold out your phone or you even have something that you wear that takes 
it continuously is taking high resolution images and it's just picking the best things and putting them together. And after the fact saying, here are photos of what you did today. Like we're not that far off from something like that, which is wild because that's not photography at all, but it sort of is, but it's more like a life memory in stills and short videos and stuff. We're close to that. So there's interesting stuff going on, but um, I'm gl- I'm kind of glad everybody at least got a little bit of a pause from Google's announcement, but yep. it's so different from Apple. It's really striking. Very I, don't different. Think, I don't think either of them are right. I think they're both maybe a little too extreme in either direction, but mm-hmm. I can see it. Um, one last item. I know it's a lot of follow out. You and Federico are on one side of the Mac widgets. I don't even think it's true. I I just want to say this. So Mac widgets, mm-hmm. I was critical of them last week mm-hmm. um, and in my review. Uh, but not saying that they're bad and not saying that they're boring, just saying that they're a little less special on the Mac because the Mac has so many alternatives. Sure. Whereas on iPad and iOS, like I don't think if only the Mac existed, people would be like, I got this idea for widgets and it's going to be great. I think that the the decision process would have been really different because of what already exists on the Mac. That's yeah. sort of, if not duplicative, it's a little bit like that. Like it's yeah. little, Federico little said ballpark. that you said they were boring and I don't remember you saying they were boring yeah, and that. that's what I disagree with. Like I don't think yeah. that they're boring. I, I, I understand boring. the idea that like there's a bunch of different ways to access that stuff but I do really like it and as I mentioned like, as a stage manager user I find myself seeing the desktop and getting to the desktop to right. be quite a frequent thing and right, because I'm it's actually, cleaner. Yeah, I'm finding myself yeah. hitting my shortcuts buttons that I've put on little widgets like quite often where I would have, like I'm doing that basically exclusively now rather than using the shortcuts menu bar because it's just mm-hmm. just visually simple and easy. And most of the time, like with some of the shortcuts where that I've set them up, I can actually just see the shortcut window all the time and I can just click it and it doesn't even go to the desktop. It just activates it, right? And so it's like, that's awesome. Like I'm a big fan of that. I think it's really good. Yeah. So the thing I wanted to call out, and this is, I'm not, I'm not trying to play gotcha with Federico here. I love, by the way, that, that he listens to the show, right? Cause that's not a given. Hi, <laughs> um, I love it. He's like, Oh, I want to upgrade this week. I'm like, Oh, and then, uh, when, uh, uh, Marco and Casey and John do it too, it's like, Oh, that's so sweet. So hi guys. Um, podcasters listening to podcasts. Who knew? Here, here's the thing that though that struck me as an interesting kind of like a quirk of how you view the Mac and how you view Windows on the Mac is that Federico said, I don't agree with Jason about his comment about reminders. Because what I said was, you can have a reminders widget on your desktop, but at that point, you could also just have reminders running with a window open. And he said, no, 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 no. I don't want a window with reminders in it open all the time. I just want a little thing on my desktop with reminders in it. And I get what he's saying, but my response to that is they're the same or almost the same, right? Like I, and and perhaps this is just different ways of perceiving how you use a Mac, but I often have reminders open to the list that I use all the time. Mm. And it's off on the far left side of my display down in the corner usually covered by something, but not always. And it just sits there. And then I will sometimes go there. Sometimes I'll hide it. Sometimes I won't. But often it just sits back there. It's basically a widget. Now, the counter argument would be, now I don't need to do that. I could just have a widget down there. And that's true. It's cleaner. But at the same time, I do have that thought, which is it's still a reminder list sitting back in the corner of your screen. 
Like, yeah, but- and, and that was my point is that there is a difference, but it's not a revolutionary difference, right? It's like, oh, now finally we can have the to-do list visible. And like, you could do that before. Because <laughs> you could just leave reminders open. It's yeah, just this is a just little smaller thing. and simpler now. Me and Federico are in this camp, and I'm I'm not sure why we both are, but oh, no overlapping windows. I don't like my windows to overlap, and I that's and, fine. You know, and so and like, there's something about I mean. the widget which is different. It's like it's like this permanent thing. It's just stuck there rather than like having this little window just like cluttering up the place. You know. Yeah, no, I I get it, and and that's that's what I mean is that different people use the computer in different ways, and therefore I'm, and that's why I didn't say widgets are pointless, right? I didn't yeah. say that. I said they're just they solve they're not as revolutionary in some ways because on the Mac you can just leave reminders open there, and it's like a, you could even set it up to be super minimal, and it would be like a widget, and and so, and uh, what I, the point I was trying to get at is in a one app per you know, one app at a time interface, like, like by default, the iPad and like the iPhone, you, it's revolutionary to be able to peer into multiple apps at once mm-hmm. on the Mac. It's not. And that's all, that's all, but it's a good feature. I like it. I think it's a cool idea. I just, I had a couple of funny moments where I thought, oh, I could put reminders down here. And then I literally stopped and thought, but <laughs> why? <laughs> and Right? Why? Why put something that's a little less flexible? But I, I get the, you that you guys want it clean. Although I'll point out that it's not clean if there's a widget there. It's a little less clean, but it's it's clean yeah. enough for you to have it, it there. It becomes and part that's, of the, that's the solution. You know, it's yeah, like it's, fine. it's different. It's different. Do you do you desaturate it when it's in the background? I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the way to yeah. live. To be honest, that makes yeah. I turn that feature off too, so they'll show you where my head is. But all right, that's it. Thank you for indulging me in follow up. Pleasure. Happy to listen to the show, you know, first time caller and all that nonsense. Th- yeah. Thank you. That's right. Th- I, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the B-Tails are back, Jason Snell. As if we, didn't we say goodbye to them we last week? We said goodbye, but they're here I again. I told you not to. I told you, you not to. Right. I told you, you we were, were right. going to be right back in there. You were right. There's mm-hmm. a new Vision OS beta out, and there's a couple of things in it that I just wanted to mention because I thought they were interesting. One is that as of this beta, you need to run Apple Silicon for development. I saw this from Steve Trout Smith. So as Steve said, a line in the sand has been drawn. And so now if you want to develop for Vision OS, you need an Apple Silicon Mac. Uh, Obviously, this is one of these things that I've seen a lot of people being very upset about because that is just the way that all these things go. What are you come oning? I... I don't know. Like complaining about Intel systems ah. not working on the cutting edge. Like, come on. I, I again. I, I just what I mean by come on is I have absolutely zero feeling about that. Like, of course. Like, oh, but there. It's artificial, and I should still be able to. Like the whole every the whole platform is on Apple Silicon now. Um, get with the program. Like you want to develop for Apple's next gen uh, operating system, next gen device, but do it from an Intel Mac. Sorry, like sorry, I have uh, sorry. It's it's over. I have sympathy for you because you're going to need to get a new Mac. I get it, but like, it's not unreasonable to me. So sorry about that. I, this is yeah. Come on, move move on. Time to move on. Intel is over on all Apple's platforms. It's over. So my feeling on this is. 
a little bit similar to you, uh, but I think maybe uh, a little different. Just in that, like, okay, we are not super far away from macOS being Apple Silicon only. Maybe yes. two years, right? But like, it's not very far away. I, I don't know when. I don't know what will cause it, but I don't think we're very far away from that. And so I do feel like, specifically for Vision OS, why maintain the tools on a different platform? Yep. Yeah. Like no, these I are feel... brand new tools. The fact that it ever worked yeah. on non-Apple Silicon Max is interesting to me. I, I I find it peculiar that they've that they have done this. During the cycle, I feel like it would have been easier and cleaner if it was just always Apple Silicon only. That is like the weird part to me. But for this specific thing, I feel like I understand it. Yeah. And yeah, I don't want to say, hey, everybody who's using an Intel Mac sucks, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, Jason says, says, boo. (laughs) Yeah. What I am saying is, if you are a professional, software developer who wants to develop for Apple's next generation operating system and platform, having Apple say you need to develop it on a system that is running the same kind of hardware as the new platform is not unreasonable. That's it. That's what I'm saying. So if you're like, oh, but I have a I have a MacBook Air that's three years old and it's still running on Intel and I I, I should feel shame about this. It's like, well, no, you shouldn't. But like if somebody's going to develop for Vision OS, Apple saying you need Apple Silicon, you need an M1 Mac Mini and then you're golden. Like, come on. Like, again, I, I, what I would say is if you it's 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 a not it's not an unreasonable barrier. I understand why they might do it. And the people who are complaining about it are either complaining because they want to complain about Apple or they're complaining about, I don't want to invest anything in developing for Apple's new platforms, in which case Apple has basically said, okay, then you can't. And I don't think it's unreasonable. So I'm not, I'm not biting on this one. I'm just not. So in the Discord, people are surprised at me saying the two-year thing, which was something that I heard David and Stephen talk about on Mac Power Users on their macOS Sonoma episode. Um, so I just went to the macOS Sonoma page, and like the compatibility is for machines from like 2018. Like that's where it cuts off. So like we're only two years away from that compatibility potentially being 2020. That's when Apple Silicon started. Like I, I do believe we're about two years away from Mac OS versions being Apple Silicon only on some machines. Yeah, two or three. Yeah, yeah. I think like, you're right. It's it's really not very far away. And so Vision OS being still, you know, a couple of years from being a, a, a real serious platform, if if that at all, it just seems like why, you know, like why, why put the effort in to maintaining it? But as I said, it's just strange to me that, that it even started that way. Um, also from Steve Trout-Smith. Steve is very good at sharing stuff from the simulator, so he's a good follow on Mastodon. Um, he included, it, it, so he had a video about a, a new um, sample project game, like sample code game that Apple is is has in the new uh, beta called Swift Splash. It's like a little mixed reality game where you build a uh, water slide from pieces, like you can build it from these little components and then run it and see how this little fish goes down the water slide. Mm-hmm. I think that this is a 
feels to me like an indication from Apple of the types of things they would like to see people build, right? That like these mixed reality mm-hmm. games that yep. you can build in a space, you can move around them and watch them do a thing. Like this feels like, a, to me at least, an indication of, hey, we would like to see this kind of stuff. It's a, also a logical extension. Think back to all of those mixed reality AR kit demos that we got um, in the last five years. Yeah, this is clearly they were a lot like this, right? Where it's yes. like, oh, it's a game you can play on a table, and the answer was, well, you can play it on a table, but you got to hold your iPad the whole time, yeah. and like, uh, right? But like, this is why they were talking about that is that Apple thinks that this is an entertainment use case for Vision Pro is software in a mixed reality mode, and. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Like the idea, and the idea is not complex here. It's that it's that we're not trying to immerse you in a magical world. We're trying to put things that look like solid objects in front of you that are generated by software, and and that's that on some levels that is kind of a subtle distinction because I'm sure you could play something like Swift Splash on a on something like a uh, a quest, a meta quest, and you would be in a virtual world, but it wouldn't really matter. Because what really mattered was the object in front of you. Um, and Apple's saying, well, no, like so many of these things don't need, you don't need to be in a virtual world. You can be in the real world and have the thing floating in front of you. Um, it looked fun. As somebody who spent way too much time p- playing Pipe Dream, um, <laughs> I looked at this and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Connect all the little things and see where the little fish goes. And it's a cool idea. So it, it's very clearly Apple sending a signal, very yeah. clearly. And Steve Moser at MacRumors found code in this beta that indicates that it will be possible to enable screen mirroring via AirPlay or FaceTime when using the Vision Pro so you can share with somebody what you're seeing. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Screen sharing. Yep. Essentially, for Vision Pro. Because there was a good question about it because when we did our demos, that was happening, right? So there was somebody in the room who had an iPad and they could see what we were seeing. Like it was it was a part of the demo. And I heard some people like questioning it as if that would be a thing or saying the other thing, which is, oh yes, it will work. I've seen it happen. But I think I wasn't convinced that it would ship that way. It's like, well, is this just a thing of the units or the software that we are using that enables that? But I'm I'm pleased that they will do it. This is a thing that other platforms offer, but the ability to like, you know, be doing a thing or playing a game and sharing the screen with somebody who's with you and like that's part of the gaming experience. You know, you can see what someone's seeing can be fun. And it's especially fun for someone who's trying it out for the first time, you know, and they're like, whoa, and they're freaking out and you can see what they're seeing. It's like being shared to the TV or shared to an iPad. Like that's a fun thing in the VR experience. I'm intrigued to see what the longer term use cases will be for that, but I'm happy that they'll have it even if just for like that thing of being able to see what someone's seeing because they're having some kind of fun experience and you want to share it with them. I think that's cool. So it's good that it's in there. Yeah, sure. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Spooky season is here, everyone. Some people call it tube, tube man season, but it's spooky season. And so maybe, yes, as you can hear, it's very much spooky season. So maybe it's time to make yourself a classic horror movie playlist of all of your favorites. Maybe Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. The list could go on and on. Night to find of the all, Living Dead. Indeed. Yeah, that, all of them. Whatever you like, you know. 
Maybe you want to watch A Nightmare Before Christmas and kind of cross the, the holiday streams. To find all of these movies, you can use ExpressVPN because ExpressVPN lets you change your location so streaming services will show you movies and TV shows that aren't necessarily available normally where you are. So you can get access to thousands of extra shows just by firing up the ExpressVPN app, changing your location, refreshing Netflix or whatever service you're using, and that's it. This means you don't have to subscribe to a ton of other services to find your favorite movies, or maybe you just can't find them all because they're not available in your uh, location, but maybe if you change the location, they will be. This isn't just for scary movies, and it isn't just for changing uh, where you are, right? So like we spoke about this a bunch. I was just traveling in Memphis. I wanted to catch up with some shows that we're watching on our services in the UK, and I could use ExpressVPN to change my location and do that. But maybe you want to watch Friends, maybe you find that spooky. <laughs> that's, on, that's on Netflix in the UK or Parks and Rec as well. You can just change location to the UK and you can do that. Maybe you're terrified about you know your life and look. You look at the people in Friends and be like, Could what they were doing in their thirties. More spooky. And here Ooh. I am. You know, maybe maybe it's scary. Maybe if you love Korean dramas, you could just ExpressVPN to watch Parasite and South Korean Netflix. You could watch all of the Lord of the Rings on Australian Netflix. The list goes on and on. ExpressVPN is compatible with all of your devices, and it also this works with other streaming services, BBC iPlayer, Disney+, Plus, whatever you want. So get your money's worth and get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free by going to expressvpn.com slash upgrade. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash upgrade. Go there now and learn more at expressvpn.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for the support of this show and Relay FM. You put a note into our document that says simply, <laughs> Jason had to delete his user and rebuild his life. I don't oh know God. what this is talking about, so could you please explain oh. yourself? I had a thing happen okay. last Thursday. Um, okay, I have to back up a little bit. So mm-hmm. for maybe a year, certainly for many months, I had this situation where, so I pay for Photoshop. That's my Adobe mm-hmm. tithe is an annual payment of for Photoshop because I've used, I, I don't, please don't send me anything about alternatives. I have all the alternatives to Photoshop. <laughs> I've used Photoshop for like 30 years. Sometimes you just need Photoshop. Sometimes you're working with someone and they send you a Photoshop file and you've got to open it Photoshop. It's just life. I even, even, I mean, I have been using Photoshop since I was in college. Mm -hmm. It is, I know where everything is. I know how to think in Photoshop. I can't imagine not having Photoshop and I use those other tools and I'm like, it's good. It, 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 It is good. Um, the other tools are good and cheaper and all of those things, but it's like, but I, I've just decided that I would rather pay Adobe $120 a year and not mm. learn something else ever, mm-hmm. right? Because it's been with me for so long. They will need to do more work in order to get me to stop using Photoshop. However, uh, last year at some point, because Creative Cloud is great, you just get the new version. And I don't have Creative Cloud startup at launch or anything like that. So I, 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 I don't know. I checked for an update. And it was like, hey, we got a, a Photoshop 2023 update. And I installed it. And the number one thing I do in Photoshop is save out JPEGs and pings to post on the web or to send to people. Sure. And that's using a command called export as. Mm-hmm. They used to have a thing called save for web. It's still there. It was better, but the export as has gotten a lot better. Lots of good settings in that in the, in the view, I think. Yeah, it's, it's better. Um, it, it's, it, it's a little weird, but it's okay. It, it's, I've come to accept it. And I... I choose export as in the shiny new Photoshop. 
And it says, Photoshop could not complete this command because of a program error. Program error. Oh, well, I mean, it's a program. It had an error. <laughs> I guess it's not informative in any way. But yes, a program error. A program error has occurred. And uh-huh. therefore, I can't do my job. The buttons below it are okay. Or maybe it's dismiss. That's the default. And then below it, learn how to fix. Okay. Okay. Learn how to fix. I click on that. Uh, it's fascinating. This is your first line of Adobe support. It, and you know that somebody's run the numbers here. It's like, you, you just got to put a button in the interface when there's an error saying, learn how to fix. And it'll put in the error information behind the scenes and it's going to pop up a solution. And so it took me to support pages for a support page for the program error. And it's like, try this in Windows. I don't have that. Try this in Windows. I don't have that. And it says, tur- one thing you can try, which is uncheck the graphics acceleration. So I do that and restart. Okay. Same error. Mm-hmm. The other thing on the support document is literally, or you could search for this in our forums, which is just, oh, can we just say like, no, there is a line, like having support forums is not fundamentally evil. Viewing your support forums as an important part of the support process yes. is is a mistake. That's unpaid labor as well. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. talk, maybe talk somebody with else the other suckers. It <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it could be really bad. I mean, I don't know if you've done this. I've definitely done this where I've searched for something for an Apple problem and there's yes. been an Apple support forum thing and you Apple's click on it. Yeah. And and first off, they're not very helpful, mm-hmm. but and I'm, I'm just going to anger a lot of people today. I'm going to just say this. Apple support forums are populated by people whose apparently entire self-worth is their level on Apple support forums. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, they think they're being helpful. They are know-it-alls who don't answer correct questions correctly and then close the thread before somebody can give a correct answer. They are a bane on the existence of Apple support forums. And those power users of Apple support forums are make the whole thing useless, almost useless, I'll say. I hate them. I'm sorry. I'm sure you're lovely people in your regular life. Jason but, simultaneously oh my God. just got uninvited from every Mac user group that I'm, exists. I'm sorry. Like, who are these people? <laughs> and they're know. like... They're like, they think they're Apple support, but they're not. They are unpaid labor, mm-hmm. I assume, who've got like these high rankings because they're like, I'm just I'm just going out there every day on the internet and helping people. And it's uh, if they were right, it would be okay. But they give bad advice. There's a lot of this on Reddit too, right? Like Reddit exists. Yeah, oh, it's the internet. Stuff. But like, yeah, yeah. it's different if it's Reddit because it's just Reddit, right? Okay. But it's the Apple support forums. Like- Apple should not, one, should not be relying on these people, and two, should not be giving them any veneer of credibility, let alone power to do things like close discussions, because I solved it. They did, you did not solve it, sir. You did not solve it. Anyway, uh, Adobe Support Forums, you will be surprised to discover, not helpful. <laughs> I saw a meme recently that I enjoyed, and I, I can't remember exactly, but it was it was like a screenshot of like a support forum or a Reddit thing. And it was like, the question was like, hey, everyone, like, happy to be here. I just have a quick question about this piece of software. Like, da, 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 da. I'm wondering if you can help me with this. And then like top comment and like, and then like thread locks. It says, you have simultaneously broken every single rule of the support forum. We have therefore deleted your question. <laughs> you know, it's just like, that's what it feels like sometimes. It's like, yep. there is these rules and you don't know what they are because you have like one question. I'm not part of your c- 
community, whatever that is. It's a community of people who sit on the internet complaining about Mm -hmm. bugs in software. That's your, what is the community there? It's not a community. It's people drifting in across the transom who are, are, need help. They need help. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's fundamentally, I didn't expect this to go in this direction, but that's the fundamental problem with your customer support forum is that you are, maybe I'm changing my mind. Maybe they are evil because here's, here's what it is. The problem is it implies a level of lack of care unless you're, you are actively as the developer participating in the community. And, and if it's a part of a larger community of users of your product who are also sharing tips and stuff like that, great. But some of these things, it feels like all it is, is a place for people to come because they have nowhere else to go and say, help me. And then you get a community in there. And that is the community of the, of the know-it-alls who say you're doing it wrong. Mm. And are not helpful. And I've definitely had that where there's a piece of software I use that's that we've talked about here before. I'm not going to go into it, but it's it's very kind of old software, but it works for me. And it has a support forum. And the developer kind of comes and goes because I think he's got other priorities too, but he does, he chugs along and there's a new beta every few months and it, it, it's fine. But I've, I've had some issues with that software where I've gone to the support forums and it's very clear that there are some, I think, self-appointed people and if they're not, they're like, they're not involved in the, maybe the developer has given them moderator power, but they're like not involved in the production of the software. And they are making all the classic customer service mistakes, which is they blame the user. That's that's what they do. They're like, you're doing it wrong. And, and I'll come in there and I'll be like, well, I'm not doing it wrong. But thank you for your feedback person who does not like is not part of the company and does not need to be here, but is poking their nose in when I'm like, if you can help me, help me. But like, as a, as a person who uses the software, like I do, but what are you doing? Anyway, they're bad. I've decided it now. I've come all the way around. Customer service, uh, forums are bad. They should be good, but they're not good. Uh, official ones, we should say unofficial Mm -hmm. ones. Great. Great. Official ones. It's an abrogation of responsibility by the vendor, unless they're in there actively anyway adobe's support forums were no help <laughs> is what i'm saying about the program <laughs> oh, that's error. a surprise I, I, there's I years of program error complaints about there about this very specific thing most of them ended up being reinstall it that didn't work or they were unchecked the graphics acceleration box that didn't work oh my god so i bit the bullet i said you know what i pay 120 dollars a year for this um, my day is free. <laughs> Side note, my day would soon not be free. <laughs> Narrator. <laughs> wide open. I was like, what am I going to do this day? I got so much to do. What am Narrator. I going to do this His day? His day was filled. His day was completely <laughs> ruined. So I said, you know what? Contact us. And they're like, would you like to talk to a chat agent? And I said, yeah, I would. And they're like, ah, robot. And I, I was like, I got a program error. And it said, here... Here's a document. It's the same document as the learn how to fix. I'm like, nope. They're like, oh, didn't help you. What would you like to do? And it's like, search the FAQs, go to the user forums. And then the last item is talk to an agent. I'm like, boop, talk to an agent. Give me the agent. Give me the agent. Give me the agent. Agent comes on. Obviously, you know, it's a, it starts, probably starts as pre-formatted, but it's not a robot, I think, yet. Um, I, I repaste my issue in, um, 
and they suggest a couple of things. And I, I try to make it clear, like, I've tried all the things. It does not work. Um, oh, I should say as a side note, reinstalling that old, like, you people may not know this, Creative Cloud, you can go back versions. They've got, like, a library of, like, all the way back to, I think I can go back to, like, Photoshop 2022 or something. They're all version numbers, but, like, old versions. And if I rolled back far enough, I could get it to work. And so for the last two years, I've been using, or a year and a half, whatever, I've been using an old version, older version of Photoshop. And every time it's like, you want to update? I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't because I can't save. So the person comes on and I say, and I say, I can't do this. I can't do this. And they finally say, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a link and it's going to install screen sharing software. And mm -hmm. I am going to get to the bottom of this. And mm -hmm. I thought, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. So I did it. And Adobe screen sharing software, it's actually pretty impressive. You get it going. It, uh, he's got a little chat window that he can send to me and then I can see what he's doing and, uh, and I'm watching it. And Mike, it was like a sports fan watching a sporting event. Like it was like a playwright watching a play. I got to watch someone else try to troubleshoot my computer. And I, I'm pretty sure he couldn't hear me, which is good. I, I muted all my microphones. Okay. But it was amazing because it was like, all right, he's going, he's gonna, he's going to the graphics processor thing and he's gonna turn that off and relaunch. And then and then it's like drum roll, export as program error. Ha ha, I told you, buddy. I told you that wouldn't work. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go. Let's, let's uninstall and reinstall. Do, do, do. Program error. Mm, sorry. I tried that one too. Good, good on you. And I get that he's trying it because people are unreliable, but still I knew it wasn't going to work. So I'm like, this is amazing, right? I'm watching all. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go into preferences and I'm going to change the permissions on all the Adobe pre preferences. I'm going to add all the specific users, not just the admin group. I'm going to set all of them and everybody else to read and write permissions for the entire folder. It needs a password. That's the moment where I come in and go, put my password, off we go. Um, doesn't work. Then he's like, okay, there's this other set of things I can do to set the, pro the, the, um, the permissions. Doesn't work. I, I don't know. I kind of took glee in it because I'm like, see, see, yeah. this is hard. There is no good answer here. Uh, also, part of me is thinking, is he just reading that tech support document? Because it's not helping. That's not what the issue is here. Uh, and I can't decide whether there are certain systems where this thing is broken and they just don't care or whether it really is something involving me. But I can't figure this out. So then he says, he comes back on the chat and he says, okay, here's what we're going to try next. We're going to follow me here. Again, I was just all in at this point. If I had to, if I had to yank the computer out of the power and boot it on, off the network, if I had to reformat my hard drive, whatever, like I was just going to let him do whatever he needed to do. So he says, we're going to go to network utility and enable the root user. And we're going to log out of your account. And we're going to log in again as root. Like, Wow. Okay, big guns, right? It's not even create an admin account. It's like, we're just going to go to root. And I, I think this is because he's convinced it's a permissions problem of some sort or some weird interaction involving file permissions somewhere or something else is broken in my user. And so if you go to root, like it eliminates all of those things. You shouldn't ever in the long run have root enabled as a user on your Mac because it's dangerous. But we did it just, just you know, for um, just for a minute. 
So we do that. And I'm also thinking to myself, like, how's he going to come back in screen sharing? <laughs> like, we're going to be in a different user. But the Adobe screen sharing uh, is installed for the whole system and is persistent across users. So we log in as root eventually. I Oh, he tried to give, he tried to set the root password. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I text him. Oh I'm like, I, I have to do this part. He's like, yeah, okay. So I set my root password. Uh, we go over. Uh, he comes back, which is kind of magical. It's like, bloop, Adobe screen sharing, he's back. Uh, he just goes to applications, double clicks on Photoshop. Uh, I think I have to log into Creative Cloud because it's a new user. I'm not sure. Something like that. It opens. He opens a new canvas and draws like with the paintbrush tool, just draws a squiggle. Does <laughs> file, export as, and the export as window comes up. At which point he brings in, he goes into text and he basically says, well, it's your user. No. And okay, to be that fair. That is unsatisfactory. To, well, okay. There... The fact that it didn't happen on older versions of Photoshop makes me think that it's partially at least their fault. And if we had, or if I had wanted to, we probably could have done a deep dive investigation on everything in my system, in my user folder, to find out why it wasn't working. And I thought about it and I thought, you know what? I feel like this is a symptom of a larger problem. I feel like I probably, this Mac is probably the legacy of untold migrations for probably more than a decade, maybe even two decades. Untold migrations. There were, I would always find uh, like preferences that were from 15 years ago. I'm like, okay. So I thought, this is a sign. I think I just need to bite the bullet here and delete my user mm. and rebuild my life. Uh, so I thanked the guy, uninstalled the software, turned off root, deleted the root user, all those things. And then you have to do the dance where I had to like make a new user, delete my old user, then make a new user that's me again, log in as the new user, at which point, I, the, this was the rest of my day. The rest of my day was, and, and I'll, I'll point out, this wasn't a complete wipe. The system level was all still there because it all worked fine and Photoshop still worked and everything. Um, so I log in and if anybody hasn't done this in a while, the experience, first off, you get to experience every default that exists. Mm. So like docs on the bottom, minimizes the genie effect, right? Like literally everything. Click on the desktop to hide all the windows, like in Stage Manager. You, it's Sonoma defaults. Okay. So I have to start moving things around and, and uh, you know, things are showing up in my dock that I don't want there because they're like, uh, recommend applications and recent applications in the dock and uh, applications bounce in the dock when they're launching. And it's like, oh boy, turn all those off. So I spent the rest of the day doing two things, which is setting preferences. And every time the experience is every time you make a movement on the Mac, every time I go like, okay, I'm going to reach for this now, you get permission dialogue, mm -hmm. permission dialogue, permission dialogue. Every app wants to and I've complained about this before, but just to say it's terrible, right? It's like, this is my software on my computer. And it's like, oh, now this app wants to look at the desktop 
This app wants to look at your documents folder. Like, for Pete's sake, if it's in desktop and documents, you can have it, right? Like, everybody Just should have that. Just take it. Take it all. I, I really want a button that says, allow every app to access desktop and documents. It's fine. I have nothing. <laughs> nothing in these folders that you I You can about. have it. If, if I have it in there, you can take it. I'll just Hackers, share whatever. it for free on the internet. You know what I mean? It's oh, all yours. Oh my God. It's so terrible. And then there's like, oh, and this needs full disk access. And some apps, they just let the system handle it. Other apps are like, hey, buddy, you're new here. Here's a proxy icon. And here's a little pretend you need to, I'm going to click this button and then I'll open, I'll do a thing that makes another button come up and you need to click that. And then it opens in the system settings and then you click on this thing and then drag my little icon in and say yes. And then we'll be good. Like, oh God. And, th and then they'll do it like five times. It's like, oh, I need microphone preferences too. I need to access your microphone. Oh, I need to access your screen recording. Were you using a Disney app? Because it sounds like Mickey's entered the chat at the moment. No, Mickey's a little higher than that. Okay. <laughs> You got a new computer. It's not new, Mickey. I don't care. Uh, so, so the so I I hate all the permissions. I I hate it. I really wish I understand why Apple does it. Yeah. I really wish Apple one would let power users say please stop, and two I'd really like what I really like is don't ask for the next hour or something. Right. Like, don't ask for the give permission for the next hour for everything I do. I understand the security implications of that. I understand that it's bad because what if there's bad stuff and all that. But like, oh, my God, to have every app you use ask you a million questions. And I know it only happens when this sort of thing happens, but it is infuriating. Anytime there's a, a new install or a, or, or a migration or anything, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. I also have to look up the serial numbers of every app that I bought outside the app store. And there are lots. Fortunately, one of the first things I do is install my email app, which has the receipts for every app I ever bought. <sighs> so I can search on there. And I and I do one password very quickly so I can get all the passwords that I need to re-log into and do all of that. But for the rest of the day, it's literally like I was uh, doing a podcast later in the day. I press a button on my stream deck. First off, the stream deck's not there. Second, the stream deck <laughs> preferences are in a weird place. So you have to find where the stream deck preferences are and copy it over. I have a backup. So I have my old user folder in a backup that I can drag things out of. So I do that with some apps, but I don't want to do the whole thing because who knows what's lurking in there. The thing that breaks Photoshop is in there somewhere. I don't want to do that. I'm trying to be good here. <laughs> so then I get the stream deck up and I press the button and it goes, error. I'm like, what is happening? And and. It was, this is a shortcuts error. So I have to go to open shortcuts because it launches a shortcut. I'm like, okay, run the shortcut. It says, oh, shortcuts needs permission to like automate things. <laughs> I'm like, why? What? Allow running scripts. Allow running scripts. It, it's like shortcuts. Shortcuts is nice and all and lets you to automate things. But if you want to use Apple script or a shell script, you need to go in and check the box in advance. So, all right, mm -hmm. fine. Yes, shortcuts. I do want you to run Apple scripts. Thank you. Then I press the button. Error. What is it now? <laughs> Audio hijack needs permission to run scripts. All right. Permission granted. Then I press the button and it works. I'm like, oh, but, but I'm telling you literally in the first five, six, seven hours that I was running this, it really ran into the next day too. You do that thing that you do once a day. You do that thing you do once every three hours. And you're like, oh, click. 
permission, 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 error, uh, check a box, uh, go to system preferences and allow this extension. Um, just restart your Mac. <laughs> restart your Mac at, uh, into, oh, I, I did have to do the restart your Mac at one point. Oh, I forget no. what the software was. It was a restart your Mac and hold down the button and allow the extension to be loaded uh, and then restart it again. <laughs> so it was instructive. And I feel like my user folder is in a much better place now because it isn't, there aren't mysterious preferences and weird things loading that are not things that I needed to use, uh, that I need to use right now. Right. I, I left those all out. Um, but it did involve a lot of like try, trying to migrate Hazel, for example, is amazing because to do migrate Hazel, there are instructions, yeah. but it's like, um, you need to open activity monitor and quit all the Hazel processes and quit the preference process. Then copy your files over and immediately restart. <laughs> really? <Why> immediately. <laughs> well, because apparently they're cached and the preference demon, that's why you have to quit it because the preference demon caches the old preferences and will overwrite your new preferences. So then you restart and then the preference demon comes up and sees the things on disk and it's like, yeah, oh should, yeah. You, and then you you're back. You should never do a deal with the preference demon. You know, it's no, you shouldn't. No app should <laughs> never do a deal with the preference team. I asked, there's a, there's another piece of software and I asked, where are your preferences? And it's like, oh, I just use the system for that. So you have to export your preferences and then import them later. Your defaults. I'm like, well, that doesn't help me. That, that old user's gone. It's already gone, chief. I have a backup with files. I'm like, well, you can't get to it then. You just can't get to it. What? Hmm. So. What I'm saying is, I was I, my, uh, I thought it was a bold move that you deleted the user before you have set the new one up fully. That was a bold. I thought that was a bold move. Oh no, I backed that. it up right. So yeah, I did but carbon still, copy you couldn't get it, it though, first. right? As you said, like you can't get to everything. I mean, I know you wouldn't. Have known oh, that's that. true. It's that's true. I can't sense. log back into the old. Well, the problem. So here's the problem. Although, although macOS has for its entire life, as macOS 10 and macOS said, you can change your username and your user directory to something different. Because I want to because of some of my scripts are literally coded to my username and the name of my hard drive. Uh, um, okay. I, I'm not going to get a different username. Yep. I want my username. Yep. So then I have to you change my other one. user's username to something different and then make a new one. And guess what? It doesn't let you because like, oh no, I'm still doing things over there and I don't know what it's doing. Breaking Photoshop. I don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> Slowly dismantling Adobe. <laughs> I had to delete it, delete it, delete it, delete it to make a new user with okay. that. Um, but I did have it in my Carbon Copy Cloner backup. So I was able to get it from there. Um, yeah, it's a pain. So what did we learn? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if you can... <sighs> If you can manage the pain every so often, not migrating and doing a clean setup is probably smart because it's very painful, uh, but it's also probably dumb because it's extremely painful, but at least you get a clean thing out of it. I don't know. Um, Photoshop works. I'm on Photoshop 2024 now. I'm in the future Congrats. with Photoshop. It's amazing. Big news. You can export files from it now in the future. It's great. And uh, but at what I don't know. And And I would just say, but the only thing that I really learned from this, and I learned this from the Sonoma install and migrating from one Mac to another and all the stuff that I've been doing in the last couple of months, is I, since I'm making people angry today, I'm going to make people You're angry. You're really leaning in today. I, I, yeah, I am. It's hot. I, I'm not, I, I tell you, I, I'm not a hot take machine. I don't, I don't love doing it, but sometimes I today, just need to though. say the truth. 
Um, <laughs> Apple, <laughs> Apple security people. <laughs> Apple security people, Mac OS security people in specific. I love you. Thank you for keeping my Mac secure. You're out of control. <laughs> you are degrading the Mac experience. The, the fusillade of preference permission windows must stop. Give me anything to allow to control this so I am not dancing back and forth between multiple windows and the system settings in order to get alerts. Oh, by the way, you've got that thing that, that, that pops up that says, I'm going to have to relaunch this app for it to work. And you click later or you click quit and relaunch the app. I've got news for you. The apps don't need to relaunch. They Nothing just work ever already. changes. <laughs> like they, when you do they, <laughs> they they don't need to relaunch. You say they have to relaunch, but I'm telling you, I use them without relaunching them. I just yeah. click later and it's fine. Nothing ever seems like, to change. Maybe that's how so, you break Photoshop, though, so Jason. I Maybe. appreciate, <laughs> I, I appreciate your dedication to improving Mac security. It's way better than it's been. Hooray. Um, my computer belongs to me. My software is software that I've chosen. And I need you to get the hell out of my way when I'm updating or migrating. You are corroding the Mac OS experience. It's a little like what we talked about when back when upgrading your iPhone was terrible. Yeah. When it's supposed to be the happiest moment because you're updating your iPhone and it's actually a disaster. It's not now. Well, Mac OS is like that. You run an update, you do a migration, whatever, and then it's just all the permissions dialogues come up. Stop it. Stop it. You are... you. Under the guise of making us safer, you've made the Mac worse. Stop it. Stop it. Time to fix it. I don't know how to fix it. Um, you call me. We'll talk about it together. I get what you're trying to do. You've gone too far. You're out of control. Stop it. But I'm not a hot take person, Mike. Not usually. I'm a very considered lava take person. Yes. That's a good point. You you don't make hot takes, but like <gasps> when you have a take, you will allow it to burn down with the fire of the sun, you know? Well, like, that's because because I hold back until I can't anymore. True. <laughs> Maybe you should hot take more often and they wouldn't be so No, molten. I don't like it. I don't like hot takes. I like considered takes. Molten takes. That are scalding. Mm. Those are better. Well, I'm I'm happy that you're able to use Photoshop in the way that you Things want. Things are great. I, I Export do wonder as, if it was worth it. But, no more program know. errors? Great. I do wonder if it was worth it too. But uh, it's uh, <laughs> what I want to say here is, but yeah, Mike, everything's snappier now. <laughs> it's very snappier. It's all snappier now. Uh-huh. Now that I cleaned out the cruft of my user wow. folder, so all those preference files and all those P-lists bogging me down, holding me back. Not anymore. I'm breaking free now, baby. You're free of the P-list. I'm free. The P-list can't stop me now. No more P-list. The sky is you. the limit. Yep. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to your new clients. You don't want to have to be wasting time tracking down FAQs from the company website to send to somebody in an email. These are the kinds of things you want immediately at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. That's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access whatever you want to be typing 
with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition so you can focus on what matters most to the work that you're doing. Text Expander has powerful shortcuts and abbreviation to streamline your work and the work of your team. All you have to do is type an abbrevi- a short abbreviation, and Text Expander will do the rest so you can build your and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and so much more right within Text Expander. You choose the key type, the keystrokes that you want to be your abbreviation, and they're going to be with you everywhere. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more, so you're keeping the personality and the communication that you send, but reducing the amount of repetition. Text Expander is available on any device that you use across any app that you use on the Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. Text Expander is one of the very first apps that I install on a Mac especially if I have to do what Jason has to do, because I want to be able to have my Mac feel like it's working correctly. Text Expander is part of that. I have internalized the abbreviations that I use for the, my most commonly used phrases. And if I type them and it doesn't work, something horrible has happened. I love Text Expander. I use it all the time. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash upgrade, and you can get 20% off your first year. That is textexpander.com slash upgrade to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's cu- finish up and cool down. <sighs> yes. With some ask upgrade questions. <laughs> James asks. I'm based in London and missed the pre-order period for the new iPhone. The phone that I want, the Natural Pro Max, won't be available until mid-November for delivery. Would you recommend visiting the Apple Store in person to try and get a phone or just waiting it out until mid-November? This sounds like my question. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't think this is London London. specific. It's Pro Max. I mean, Um, yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah. What? Here's what I would suggest. Yeah. If you're able to do this, this is the best scenario, but I understand if it might be tricky. Put in the order so you have a place in the queue, but then be checking every day, kind of like in the morning or late in the evening for the Apple stores in your area to see if you can get a pickup. I've had I've done this before, so like that exact thing. Put the order in so I've got a place in the queue, but then also be checking every day. And I, yeah. what I also like now, the Apple Store app and on the web will show you alternate devices that are available or alternate locations to the one that you're looking at for where devices might be. So like maybe you could travel for an extra hour and get it, or maybe you could get a different color or you could bump up to a different storage tier and you'd be able to get it sooner. So I recommend checking often. They do get stock in the stores and they seem to prioritize that at points that like to making sure the stores have stock in them, which I understand. So I would recommend if you're able to do it, put the order in and try and get the, the, um, the order. But if you don't have the ability to do that, it might just be best to put your order in and wait because you can drive yourself mad checking the store every day. It's just like that hassle or stress in your life that you might not otherwise want. And Hey, November will be here before you know it. I know that you've done this, Jason, right? Like that exact thing, putting an order in and checking the stores. That's how to do it. Yeah. You make the order. It may ship earlier than you think for one. Yeah. And in the meantime, if you can go and try to find it in your, in, in your nearby stores, you may be pleasantly surprised because there is, I don't want to say there's always stock, but what, what doesn't happen is that if you can't get it till November online, the stores don't have it until November. That doesn't happen. 
There's a certain number of them that are allotted to the stores so that people can come off the street and buy the iPhone. They, they do try to spread it out, and that's your opportunity. Mm-hmm. Ron writes in to say that October 21st will mark the 30th anniversary of System 7.1.1, which included the debut of AppleScript. Jason, how will you be celebrating AppleScript's birthday? <laughs> I mean, cake, clearly. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't planning this, and I didn't know this, and I've now put an item on my calendar, and maybe I will write something about AppleScript's 30th birthday. Uh, yeah, sure. It's a good, that's a good Apple history thing, uh-huh. and it's still with us. It's still with us to this day. Kind of hard to believe. I use I'm more now Apple to... scripts now than I've ever used in my life, because mm. they will come yeah. from you, but... yes. I never yes, reviewed them, and now I use well, a bunch of them. Apple script is not is still not obsolete. That's the thing is that it's still app. What it's great that Apple added shortcuts to the Mac, and it's great that shortcuts can talk in Apple script and in shell script. But the next step should be that you shouldn't need Apple script, and that hasn't happened. So Apple strip Apple script continues to exist, and and you know it's. It's fine. It's there's things about AppleScript. I was just doing this the other day where I was I needed a I needed to parse a date, and I used to use a shell script for that in, inside an AppleScript. Uh, I used a shell script for that, and the shell command changed in Sonoma. I don't understand why, and it failed, errored out. Okay, so I'm like, okay, I guess I'll need to. And I looked up how to process dates in AppleScript, and I thought, oh, that's why I used a shell script because it's bananas. It's terrible. And it's like Python is easier, shell scripts are easier, and it was just one of those reminders that like Apple Script is like nothing else. There are things that it does that make scripting so easy, and there are things that it doesn't do that make you want to cry. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the Apple Script experience cry. in a nutshell. Don't cry. Yeah. And Stephen asks, what does the home button on your Apple TV remote map to? Do you choose the home screen or up next? Home screen, baby. Yeah, I'm home screen too. I don't know if I would have chosen home screen if it if that wasn't the default. You know? Yeah. So here I, I would. And the reason is I so I'm a I'm a cord cutter. I use the Apple TV exclusively, but I don't just use what's in up next. I use up next a lot, actually. A lot. But if I'm watching live TV like sports and stuff, I'm in an app. I'd rather actually map the home button to Fubo, yeah, um, because that's the live TV interface. I'd rather do that, but um, certainly, I need apps, and I'm use I use um, I use channels to record stuff off of Fubo actually, and mm-hmm. then uh, play it back later. And that's an app that's yeah. not in Up Next, right? Yeah. So I have a bunch of apps that I use, like so that I would prefer to just use Up Next, but that's just not the way that the Apple TV works. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. Um, I know that you've relinquished your post as uh, the Apple TV guy. Well, it was taken from me, so I've let it, it go. It was, mm, yes. Yeah, but you let it go. It's, I, love it. it's I gladly let it you, go. Got that, you, you, got, you got bigger fish to fry. You're yeah. fine. Um, but I would say this. There, there have been rumors about the idea of merging the, the home screen and the TV app that that it comes from a different time and that Apple's priorities have shifted. I don't know if that's a good idea. That's kind of a lot, but and and Apple seems to be way too busy using the TV app to advertise things. <laughs> so, you know, there's no room for apps in there, but it would be 
not bad if I had like I know that you can put the TV app on the top level and then you're and set it so that you're up next is in the preview stuff mm-hmm. at the top. Mm-hmm. And that's not bad. But like I could see the value in having the TV app and the and the home screen merge a little bit more so that I could like pin my apps that I use all the time and have them right below up next and all that. I just at this point I can envision a scenario where that was really nice. I don't think it would be nice if Apple did it because clearly Apple is going to take the top of the interface and make it um, ads for content and not functional. And I hate it. So my, this is another kind of Apple, don't get me started because we know what happens then, but this is another area where I think Apple's lost the plot a little bit uh, because it's, it's literally at the point where I don't want them to integrate the apps I use into the TV app and merge them together in a way that might be useful because I know they would screw it up and make it uh, deprioritize all the stuff I care about and just use it as a way to get more uh, promo material in front of my face. When all I want is to launch Fubo and watch live TV. Of course. I have something I want to say about Apple TV, but I must go back a second to correct something before a terrible disaster occurs. So in the Discord, there was a question of, well, is this uh, uh, AppleScript thing on Steven's calendar? So I went and looked at my calendar, uh-huh. and it wasn't there. But then it was pointed out to me that on Steven's calendar, it is listed as October 4th, 1993, AppleScript launched to System 7.1.1, which Apple dubbed System 7 Pro. So I believe, Ron, I believe Ron is incorrect. I believe that... Oh it no! Was, it was on October fourth, not on October twenty first. So that date has passed. We've missed the thirtieth anniversary of AppleScript. Yes. So you must cancel your plans. Now, it was on October fourth, nineteen ninety three. It was an AppleScript launch to System seven point one point one. Delete. Delete the event. Delete. Delete the event. That's it. We trust nice Stephen. You know. Sorry, Ron. You got your date wrong. Ron, if you would like to provide uh, uh, context for October 21st, go to upgradefeedback.com and you have the opportunity to redeem yourself. But we cannot we cannot cover and celebrate AppleScript's birthday now because it's already passed. That was System 7 Pro, which they it was called Pro because they charged for an update. That was when Apple system updates suddenly became for pay. Mm-hmm. Up to System 7, they were free. Mm-hmm. System 7.1, Apple was like, you got to pay us money for this. Uh, and then they did that for a long time until then they stopped again. And now I want to go back to the Apple TV to say there's okay. a thing that Apple changed with uh, TVOS 17 that I don't understand, which is mm. they moved the app grid to a six app grid yeah. rather than five. Why did they do that? Why did they do more that apps. now? But why? The future of TV is more apps. But you know why? Like, why now? Of all times, why now? Like right? I don't understand it. It's maddening. And I, I actually don't want it. I want to go back to five. Because huh. now, all the, now they're all smaller. I liked it the way it was. Like I didn't. They should let you like pinch and zoom on the Siri remote. To... Yeah, <laughs> it's just like very strange to me. It's like why, why now, why six? Why now? Right? Like what's happened? Is it just because you wanted to put FaceTime in the thing? I think that was the I, reason. I, I genuinely I think, think that's what also... the reason was. Okay, maybe so. I think Which I is mean, madness. if you've got a lot of apps out there, it's nice to not have them be as far down when you go down. But really, no, Jason, I, I think they made okay. a decision to change the grid from a five grid to a six grid purely so they could put FaceTime at the top. Okay. That's what I could think. Could be. Which, if that could is be. the case, that is. That madness. icon really stands out, too, right? It's like yelling at you, like, yes. have you done a FaceTime yet? I know. And that, I it. find that to be like, is, is it just. Do it. 
in 20 years, the Apple TV will be a 600 by 600 grid because they keep adding new apps and they want you to see them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the only way you'll be able to go from the far left to the far right is by swiping repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, if you're trying to watch an ep- a late episode of a TV show. Do like the scrubbing around the little iPod click wheel thing. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Joe. Oh, I had a funny moment. This is another little Apple TV this aside. This episode so will we'll- never end. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> we're just very discursive today. Uh, app Fubo TV is a great app, um, and I was complaining about Google's Sunday Ticket stuff the other week on some podcast or other because uh, Fubo has that f- the quad box. It's a little quad, quad box, box. follow up, Mike. Mm-hmm. Quad box, and a Fubo TV, as with Apple TV, as with ESPN, you pick four things and it shows them all for you on your TV. Uh, at once for live events. So it can be NLS games on Apple TV. It could be anything that's on Fubo. It can be anything that's on ESPN's uh, channels on ESPN Plus. Um, Google got NFL Sunday ticket and they said, yeah, 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 we're doing a quad box. Remember we talked about that. It's like, oh, that's great because you want to have four games at once. Apparently they couldn't engineer the quad box like ESPN, Fubo, and Apple. So what what Google is doing, and they're doing this, they say it's because of a lowest common denominator thing. They want the experience to be the same on all platforms. Okay, Jan, whatever. Um, but what they're saying is um, they, uh, they're they generating fake channels. They're like synthetic channels with quad boxes in them. But they pick the, the, it's a channel. You can switch the audio on it. So that's nice. You can switch between which one of the four is getting the audio, but you can't pick what the four are. They've pre-picked. Oh, it's the Quadbox channel. I see. And there's there's multiple ones, so you can get most combinations, but not all combinations. Um, and you can't just pick like with Fubo. You pick one or two or three or four. It seems very inefficient. Um, and it's dynamic. Well, it sounds to me like they fundamentally they they couldn't write the software to do this. And Fubo, to be fair, only has it on Apple TV, but it's really good on Apple TV. And maybe Google's like, yeah, we can't put it everywhere so that we're going to put it nowhere. Mm. Or maybe next year they'll do it. So anyway, so Fubo's got it. It's great. Um, And I was watching it um, over the weekend because you can put up, like I had a baseball playoff game and college football and I had a soccer, Premier League soccer match. They're all going on at once. And they have this new thing called widgets where you can actually put like a little scoreboard down at the bottom. And one of the cool things about that is that if you see a game that's close, you can click on it and it'll either add it to the the, the multi-view or it'll say, uh, if you have four up, it'll say, where would you like me to put this? So you can like see it, scroll through the scores and say, oh, that game looks interesting and click and add it. It's pretty cool. It's got a little tab above it that lets you view the scores by sport or league, including like the ones that are on Fubo right now, or you can see all, even if they're not on Fubo, you can still see them in college football or major league baseball or uh, premier league or Serie A or whatever else you want. Um, and I was, I was swiping up to the bar cause I wanted to focus it on a different sport and I couldn't get the little tab to show up at all. I, it would go from the, the scores and then I swipe up and it would go up to the quad box and I swipe back down and I was like, how do you do this? And I was doing all the buttons on the Apple TV remote. Nothing nothing worked. So bizarre. And I finally figured it out that you have to go all the way to the left in the quad box. You have to go all the way to the left or bottom left. And then you go down. And then it goes to the tabs. 
I just thought, okay, I give Fubo a lot of credit for their Apple TV app. It's bananas. <laughs> why Why is it only over there? There's no good reason. Just, I, I should be lucky that I have the quad box. I should stop questioning it. Anyway, it's just one of those moments of like Apple TV app interactions. How do they work? And the answer is nobody knows. Mm. Nobody knows. I have an additional piece of follow-up because the episode <gasps> continues forever. Gasp. From James Thompson. John Gruber wrote, and it's an amazing Apple script to still hear article for Macworld for the 19th anniversary. What sort of editor-in-chief would commission that? Good question. Great question. Uh, 2012. Yeah, 19 years. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> Why? Well, the good news, it's now the um, 11th anniversary of that article. Of that article, which all the images are broken in, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. John John should actually uh I think he has the rights to reprint everything. He should he should update that. That's a good suggestion. I'm going to text that to John. Great. Thank you uh listener James Thompson. If you would like to send in your questions, your follow-up or your feedback, go to upgradefeedback.com, go to upgradeyourwardrobe.com for our limited edition merchandise and also our always edition merchandise. We always have stuff that's available over at upgradeyourwardrobe.com. If you want to find Jason's work, go to sixcolors.com. You can hear his shows on The Incomparable and here on Relay FM. Yes, where you'll find my podcast here on Relay FM. You can also check out my work at cortexbrand.com. You can find us on Mastodon. Jason is at jsnell on zeppelin.flights, and I am at imike on mike.social. You can also find the show on Mastodon as upgrade at relayfm.social. You'll find video clips of the show there, as well as on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, where we are at upgrade relay on all of them. We're also on threads. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Jason is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. Thank you to our members who support us with Upgrade Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com to find out more. Thank you to Text Expander, ExpressVPN, and Wild Grain for their support of this episode. But most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. Goodbye.